Welcome to Mastering Life's Adventures, an educational podcast about tapping into your true self, the soul, your soul, the substance of your life, to discover what life's ups and downs are really about, and how to have a greater sense of purpose, peace, joy, and fulfillment. I am Dr. Judith Holder, your host, coach psychologist, fellow seeker who enjoys diving into the connections between spirituality, psychology, wellness, and your everyday life's adventures. All preparing and polishing you like the fastest of magnificent diamond to be your best self. If you're craving more from your life, you are in the right place. Come, let's journey together and transforming what you know into who you really are. Mastering Life's Adventures begins now. Hi, I'm back to talk about another barrier and roadblock to soul progress. And this one is the imposition imposter. You probably heard of the imposter syndrome, which has been a buzzword for a good period of time now. It's feelings of insecurity or inadequacy or even feeling fraudulent about one's abilities or accomplishments, despite maybe being very successful in what you do. You may be really successful with public speaking or as a business person and being able to be a good negotiator, or even as a musician or an artist uh, or a manager or a leader. You can be you were successful in all the things that you have accomplished and done in those particular roles and industries, but something keeps on coming up in which you feel like the imposter. The imposter, that sense or that feeling is an internal experience of self-doubt, of believing you're not quite on par with other people, that you may not be as competent as others that you perceive that are around you, that you get into this kind of ongoing, like revolving door of self-doubt about yourself and about your abilities and about how you speak and how you look or how you said something or how you handled that strategic meeting that you were involved in and feeling as if you're an imposter. And And other people are going to find out that you're really a fake, that you don't know what you're doing. It is estimated by researchers that 70% of people could be experiencing this at least one time in their lifetime, if not more, this sense of imposter. And it usually can happen in new situations that come up when you get a promotion, for example, into a new role. You've done your other roles pretty well, and now this new role gets you kind of antsy. And you're not sure if you're going to be able to be successful or be able to have the fund of knowledge that you need or be able to communicate as effectively as you were able to do in your previous roles that you have been involved with. It it seems like this is something that happens with high achievers. People who are really focused on doing their best, achieving their best, and it, it really comes out as this often feeling of, I'm not going to do it right, as I said earlier, or 
feelings of inadequacy. I'm the phony one here. Everyone else is authentic. Uh, and it's based upon your perceptions, based upon your past history, based upon your family history, you know, what communications have been said to you when you're growing up about your abilities and your, your ability to uh, communicate well or think things through in, in a logical and systematic way. It can come from many different sources that this is kind of placed in you. And this underlying fear of being caught or being discovered in some ways, especially when you're in a new position, I was just saying earlier, especially at work and work roles, or even as a, a new mom or dad, you know, and having an infant, whether you're going to do it right or, or what are people going to say about how you're disciplining your child and on and on and on and on. So it, it, it can really happen in many different realms that we can begin to have this sense or have continued to have this sense of this sense of the imposter. And what happens is because of that level of self-doubt that we have, and I'm just talking about the imposter right now, and I'll get to talk about the imposition in a minute. Since the imposter is such a issue, and we know, as I said earlier, 70% of people can have at least one time in their life a sense of the imposter, we need to tackle this because it really is a roadblock to the soul's evolution and growth and what it needs to help it move forward in this living of life. So getting back to imposter. This may mean that you work even harder at work and maybe even being overly prepared because you want to make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's. And it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself to make sure that no one's going to discover that you really don't know what you're doing, that you're kind of in this fake hood, you know, and that's you're being you're faking in this fakehood that you're living in, they're, they're going to somehow drive through and find you there. <laughs> being a fraud, not being capable to do the duties or the responsibilities or being what is being asked of you. Even when you were successful with the project that you did at work, you link your success to luck. You link your success to luck. Oh, that's just kind of happened that way. Not that the effort, the time, and the energy you put into something, but no, it just happened, you know, that way. And so what happens, though, is when you have, like, minor errors to the overall success of something that you've done, these minor errors reinforce your lack of ability. It's as if you put your attention there. And remember I said way back in one of the beginning episodes where you put your attention is where your experience will be? Well, this is an example of how these minor errors, putting the attentions to those a couple of things that could have been done maybe in a different way, but on the overall, the project or the task that was asked for you to do, you did exceptionally well in. So as this is reinforcing the lack of your uh, ability to do something, it may fuel your anxiety and worthiness. And when we get more angst and we get more worried, we may also lead to more errors too, which then fuels the imposter qualities that we're feeling about ourselves in this new role. 
Or it can be in a more seasoned role, too, that we still have having those feelings come up within us. With that worthiness, it can even quietly, you're feeling more overwhelmed because you're trying to work harder. You're trying to make sure you don't make any errors or mistakes. And it gets into this buzzing that goes on for you. And it may even affect your sleep sometimes because you're thinking about how can I do it better? Or what can I do next? And, and how can I do that next? And so we have to realize that the imposter syndrome can be insidious. And that insidiousness comes through self-doubt. Yes, we all have some doubt. I agree that this happens with the living of life. But it's a constant regular self-doubt in your abilities and your competencies that kind of allows this creeping in of the imposter. And then you're fueling it by your thoughts and your feelings about, yeah, people are going to find out about me and people are not going to like me if they really find this out about me or they're not going to think I'm really a good leader if they know this and I don't know this component of something. You know, it goes on and on and on that it can wear you down. So let's put that to the side for a minute. And let's talk a little bit about the role of the imposition, which I look at as it's kind of like a tax or a levy charge, a thing that is usually unfair, or unwelcome demand or burden that is placed upon you. In this case, it's putting a strain on your soul. And we'll talk about that in a minute. This imposition of the imposter consciousness burdens your soul. And there are three types of imposition qualities that it's good to be aware of and attuned to the fact that it entraps your soul, allowing the ego persona to rule over the soul. And we talked about ego persona too. So you can go back and, and listen to those episodes of ego persona. But that is the energy going out and the mask that it actually overlays onto the soul unknowingly because we really think it's us. And yes, we have personality and personality is important. And that's part of what the ego persona is. But it's not the all and be all to who we are. It just helps us to understand a little bit more of the uniqueness of that we're bringing, which are all good. But when the eager persona rules through the imposition imposter, then it becomes a weight around the soul. And that weight is getting in the way for our soul to flourish and make progress and move forward. One of the things that I want to talk about when I'm looking at this, these three types, it's just one more comment about the eager persona, that it always wants to be in the driver's seat. And because it wants to be in the driver's seat, it can be deceptive. And it will do what it needs to do to stay in the driver's seat, driving who you are. And therefore, if you're in the driver's seat, it means that your soul is in the back seat. And, and in fact, it's taken over the role of who should really be driving that car, and that high-powered car, which should be your soul. So with that being said, the sense of imposition posture, and we're going to be talking about the three qualities. I'm just thinking about other things that I want to make sure I say before I move there. I would like to just say that the sense of never achieving and being enough is the quality that is the problem, because you're more than enough. 
Your soul is fabulous, wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. But what happens is the ego persona is always comparing to others, what others are doing, what others are not doing. And so it also ties into how they actually actually unite in terms of the ego persona and the imposition imposter come together to create what I call three types of imposition imposter. The first one is what I call natural talent, but it's missing discipline. And the natural talent, this person throughout their life picks up on new skills with no effort. And therefore, they're able just to kind of gain the mastery over a particular subject matter, whatever they put their attention to on the first try. And they're able to do that on the first try. Then things become really easy for them. And when things become hard and they're not able to do it on the first try, then it crushes them. And then they start to struggle and doubt. And we move into the imposter because I didn't do it right on the first time. So there must be something the matter with me, right? Hmm. Not sure if that's right. But the second type is the idealistic perfectionist. And what's missing here is perfectionist is the person who focuses on how they do things to the point of executing perfection. So they don't have to deal with uncomfortable feelings. Hence, when it's not done perfectly, which is idealistic, idealistic perfectionist, then we have to realize they don't look at the hard work they put in in their achieving something, but instead the small mistakes become self-critical mistakes and also may result in them feeling shameful. They're shamed that that wasn't done to perfection. Similar to the natural talent type, believing if they don't or can't do it right the first time, the perfectionist also feels if they have not taken the process and done it correctly, then why do it at all? And it may move them into avoiding new things. So the idealistic perfectionist is like, if I can't do it right, similar to the this quality of their natural talent, if I can't do it right, because I thought about the process, I know how it needs to be done, I visualized it in my mind, and you do A, B, C, and D. And if something doesn't go as they envision it to go, and it doesn't quite turn out the same way that they have wanted it to turn out, then what it results in is they avoid new things. They avoid maybe taking on something, or they don't stretch themselves at all if they don't think they can do it perfectly. Now, I've been talking about each, each of these types, and I'll be talking about in a little bit what they may be missing. For the natural talent, what's missing there is discipline. For the idealistic perfectionist, what's missing is flexibility. Now, the third type that I want to talk about is that proficient expert. And what's missing here is grace. This type is focused on learning everything one has to learn on the topic or subject matter before they can be feeling that they're being successful in the work that they're doing. And so they're always in pursuit 
of the quest for more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge. It can never be enough. It's like the never-ending story of wanting to have more information to feel more comfortable in their knowledge. Even though they are highly skilled, they've been doing the particular work in an expert area for decades. They underrate and value their expertise. Still not enough. There's one thing to have a natural desire in pursuit of more knowledge in terms of learning, but it's also what this particular type does not or has difficult doing is acknowledging the wealth of information that they already have. They feel, basically, that they should have all the answers and consider all the possibilities. And if they're not doing that, then they're a fraud. Yep. If they're not doing that, they don't have all the answers. They don't have all the knowledge at their fingertips. Then they're a fraud. Gets back to another quality of imposition, imposter. And so this may happen when they're at work, for example. And they're asked a question and they freeze because they don't quite know what the answer is. Or when they're on the witness stand and someone throws them a curveball and they're the expert and they don't have the answer and they feel guilty. Or when a, a person comes to them that is maybe a direct report and asking them to give them more information on a particular area that is their area of expertise and they don't quite know all the answers to that, then they get frustrated which may visually show on their face, on their body language, that they're dissatisfied, that they did not have the answer. And what may be going on internally within them is, mm, they're going to find out that I'm an imposter. I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm talking about. It gets into this kind of revolving door of self-doubt, self-doubt, self-doubt. With that in mind, And these three types that I just finished talking about, it really can boil down to never quite being good enough, knowing enough. And you heard me add, as I mentioned, to each of these three types, to this imposition, imposter, states of consciousness, missing qualities that are so important to move from this imposition imposter slash what I've been calling the ego persona of interacting in the world to looking at discipline, flexibility, and grace. They are all at to transforming this state of consciousness of the imposition imposter to unloose the stranglehold they have on the soul growth. They help you be able to do that. With these three types of qualities of the imposter, be it natural, talent, the idealistic perfectionist, the proficient expert, they each are devoid. They don't have the qualities at the level of which the soul needs it to be. These qualities of discipline, flexibility, and grace. The soul has a destination on the path of the living of life. And that is to kind of reunite with 
the creator with God, the mighty I am presence, the Atman. And it's through the Christ self that is represented in Jesus, also known as Jesus the Christ, that I want us to think about a little bit more with these three qualities. And when you think about Jesus the Christ first, think of it as the man and then the office or the position he was able to rise to through his discipline, flexibility, and grace. It's not like we're talking about the the person working in, in a particular area and, and they have their expertise and they do it well. They, they have a particular office or role or position that they hold. Well, you know, Jesus held a position too in a role. And his role and position was to come to show us how to be more Christ-like, how to integrate our personality into the Christic qualities of grace, discipline, flexibility, as well as other qualities, which I'll be talking about. So the imposition, imposter, and the types we've been talking about, I see them as saboteurs or detours to the soul learning to be disciplined, flexible, and gracious in managing the day-to-day experiences, in managing our everyday life experiences. And these three qualities are in the tapestry of what the soul is in need of to, be, to become or to unite or to honor the spiritual qualities of our quest on this planet as we're living life and being our best self. These are some of the qualities that allow us to be our best self. But the imposition imposter, that's not the goal. The goal for that type of ego persona is to show that I I know what I'm doing. But because of the imposture there, it gets in the way from you showing what you can be able to do. Because is devout, is um, void, I guess is the better word. It is void of these underlying essential qualities of discipline, flexibility, and grace. And we're going to talk about it from the perspective of soul evolution and why these qualities under the auspices of the Christ become so paramount and become more, allow you to have more clarity of why we make certain choices and why we become more aware of when the imposter is coming up that does not need to be there because we've disciplined our ego to not need the glory all the time. But what you're doing is you're doing things in the right frame of mind to the glory of God, the glory of his presence in your life and in the presence of other people's lives as well. Your service, your giving of yourself because it is helping others as you're helping yourself. It ultimately helps your soul in its evolution and growth. I would like to kind of put a pause here and say, stay tuned. Stay tuned to hear more about when you're moving from the imposition imposter into a higher way of being and acting and thinking and feeling through these qualities of discipline, flexibility, and grace, and what that means under the soul evolution in its growth towards Christic well-being 
and Godhood uniting with that source is something I want to leave as a cliffhanger for you to kind of contemplate until the next time we meet. So again, stay tuned. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me for this episode on Mastering Life's Adventures, being your best self through soul evolution. If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, I would be delighted if you would share this episode with others. Leave a thumbs up and subscribe to my Mastering Life's Adventures podcast. Look forward to your joining the next episode. Please leave any comments or suggestions you might have below. Bye for now.